Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. This past week, we started a new study in uh, God's Word about uh, simply wanting God to light our fire. Uh, We talked about uh, Saul who had an encounter with Jesus Christ and and his life was dramatically changed and uh, God set him on fire to be a an apostle to go out and to share uh, the message of of Jesus Christ to one he was uh, persecuting and caused him to uh, ultimately give his life uh, for the cause of Christ uh, even though he was completely against Jesus Christ to begin with and now we come to uh, a different perspective. I want to kind of jump back in the story of the church uh, before uh, uh, Paul uh, was was involved. But before I do, uh, one of the things that, that uh, I'm struck by is a quote by uh, a, uh, a, a about Billy Graham. Billy Graham, you know, had uh, these wonderful revivals and he would come into areas and go to places and there would be just thousands and thousands of people that would be in attendance. And everybody thinks that it's just because Billy Graham came to town that that happened. And that that's just not how it happened. In fact, uh, Billy Graham's organization, he had an organization and it wasn't just simply the group of men that went and uh, women who went with them as they traveled around this organization would go into an area and coordinate with the pastors of all the churches in the area. And and before Billy Graham would even uh, 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 commit to going to an area, he required that all the churches commit to uh, praying and uh, supporting the, the effort of his uh, revival campaign coming into an area. And he would often uh, come and pray for an area and just ask God to bathe his spirit upon that uh, community so that God could do tremendous things. And, and he had a whole list of things that, that, that was a part of his effort to try and reach the community of, of a, a whole campaign of going into the community and and all the churches participate in outreach and knocking on doors and and spreading the word that uh, God, of God's word and and spreading the message that uh, that Jesus Christ had come to save the souls of men and and sharing the uh, the good news of Jesus Christ and encouraging people to come and to hear more about this wonderful good news as was shared by Brother Billy Graham and and uh, often times Billy Graham would even have a press conference uh, prior to the revival services and he would uh, go into that area and he would share what he was going to share with the press so they could put it in the newspapers and publicize his and because 
When he would go into an area, uh, uh, even when he was using tents uh, and not being in big coliseums or being in uh, huge stadiums, he would draw thousands and thousands of people even uh, into these tents that he would use uh, for revival. And he would have revival for a week and and God would move in a tremendous way. And so these uh, members of the press would come and, and speak with Billy Graham and they would talk to him about what uh, uh, Billy Graham hoped to do is, is to uh, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one time, an individual of the press said, uh, "Brother Billy Graham, if you uh, do this, uh, you'll be setting Christianity back a thousand years." Billy Graham, without a, a, a pause, said, "I hope to set Christianity back two thousand years, back to the point." And, and what he's referring to is what we're going to look at today. Found in, in Acts and the first couple of chapters, what he's referring to is the the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God and the pouring of God's uh, presence and, and Spirit upon the the early church and and how uh, God moved in a tremendous way. And I will, I hope and prayer that is that we can ask God to ignite our hearts, that He would set us into the same mindset, the same kind of attitude, the same kind of desire to be used of God as were those uh, early Christians who, you have to remember, after Jesus was crucified, all of these people who were following after Jesus, I, I mean, we know about the twelve uh, the inner circle of Jesus Christ, but there were hundreds of people that and uh, uh, that followed after Jesus while he was in his earthly ministry. We just don't read about all those other disciples, all those other people that followed after. But those were the people who followed Jesus and would listen to him and and sit and and hear the gospel. Look, Jesus attracted so many people that uh, you, you you remember the uh, the accounts of Jesus. Jesus feeding the 5,000 men and uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, that was because uh, Jesus was teaching and it attracted so many people that they, uh, that they were all there and they numbered just the men and it was 5,000. That didn't count uh, the women and the children that happened to be there at that time. Uh, and so Jesus had many followers in this. Immediately after His crucifixion, a lot of those people kind of faded away because they thought, well... It's over. He's been crucified. Uh, the, that Roman, pe- those Roman people, they've put an end to all the things that he was doing. I guess he wasn't the one that we were looking for. He didn't accomplish what the Messiah was supposed to do. And 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 remember, their whole idea of what the Messiah was to do was to overthrow the Roman government, to reestablish the the uh, Davidic line of of. Uh, kingship in Israel and to and to overcome all of the the oppressors of Israel and establish Israel as a mighty kingdom once again like under King David and King Solomon and so uh, you know Solomon in his reign it was the great heyday the gold what we'd call the golden age of Israel and they were expecting the Messiah to come. And really, if you think about it, Messiah is what they called the Anointed One. And that's exactly what they did to the kings. And so they saw the Messiah as not 
what we think of when we think of Messiah. We think of Messiah as Jesus Christ, the one who came to die on the cross for our sins. But what they thought of Messiah, anointed one, was like uh, what Samuel did to go and anoint the head of Saul and then anoint the head of David. And then uh, uh, the priest after that anointed the head of Solomon and every succeeding king was known as the anointed one and in very real essence they were all messiahs because they were the leaders of Israel they were the anointed ones uh, anointed of God and that's why David wouldn't raise his hand to Saul even though Saul was trying to kill David uh, David would not uh, kill Saul because he said this is God's anointed I'm not going to uh, to raise my hand against him and so here's Jesus Christ and they saw him in the line of David as the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who would come and, and hopefully to reestablish the kingdom of Israel. And when Jesus died uh, they uh, on the cross, uh, was crucified on the cross, they said, well, it's over. And then the word began to spread that Jesus rose from the grave and that Jesus was more than just simply a, a, a kingly figure, but was something greater. And so we see this group of people that were so despondent and in such despair kind of come back together a little bit. Come And, and they were all there in Jerusalem for Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was uh, one of the feasts of after Passover. Uh, there would be a, another feast that would come shortly after Passover. And so uh, after Passover, many people would stay in the Jerusalem area to celebrate the Pentecost there in Jerusalem as well. And so you have all of these uh, people of Jewish descent from all over the world that have been spread out all over uh, because of the captivity that, that resulted uh, prior to Jesus' time of uh, the Israelites going out and, and being made captive and take, been taken to Babylon and been taken to Syria and being taken to Assyria and other places that uh, all these Jewish people were spread out all over and many of them began to speak uh, the languages of the lands that they lived in, but they were still Jews and so they would make pilgrimages back to Jerusalem after they were given their liberty and, and freedom to do so. But many still lived away from Jerusalem because they grew up in these foreign places and they weren't living in Jerusalem and weren't living in Israel. And so they would pilgrimage back to Jerusalem during the Passover and during the uh, Pentecost and celebrate these high holy days. And so you had a glut of all these uh, thousands of Jewish people coming from all over. And you see that the people of uh, uh, the disciples had come together and Jesus told them uh, in verse 8 in chapter 1, He says, You'll receive power, and after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses unto both Jerusalem and all of Judea and into Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. These are the final words of Jesus Christ in uh, the first part of Acts. It's kind of a continuation of, uh, of the the message that is given at the end of the Gospels. Matthew uh, chapter 28 gives this same account and 
Here in Acts, it's kind of uh, like uh, uh, whenever you'd watch the old serials. You know, I don't know. None of you men are old. Uh, none of you folks are old enough to remember the old Western serials you go to the movie theaters for, do you? You know, when a pretty girl would be uh, wrapped up in, in ropes and left on the train track, and then here comes the train to it. And you see the evil banker, and he's sitting there twisting his. A mustache and the handlebars on his mustache, <laughs> and here comes the train, and 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 then all of a sudden they stop the movie and they stop them, uh, and oh no, will she be uh, uh, saved? And the good guy with the white hat, he's riding his horse and he's trying to get there in time, and 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 will he make it in time? Will he save uh, the precious Sally? And will she, uh, or will she be run over by the? train and then the next week what happened they'd show the end of the pre previous uh, part of the serial oh no she's still on the train track is she, is he gonna is the good guy gonna make it there in time well that's kind of what's happening here in acts they're showing what happened at the very end of the gospels and jesus right before he he uh, is uh, lifted up into heaven he says to them look uh, remain here for a while the holy spirit is coming and the the Holy Spirit is going to fill you and you'll be witnesses to all the people, those people that are here, those people that are your neighbors down the road, and those people that are even further down, and then to the everyone in the world. And so uh, Jesus Christ tells his disciples that. And you know, uh, that's not just a message for the disciples that were there at that moment as Jesus was about to be lifted up into heaven. That's for everyone who followed after Jesus. His desire was is that we would take the gospel and share it with everyone. And uh, we see that the Spirit of God comes upon the disciples and Peter stands up in chapter 2 and he begins to profess the message of Jesus Christ to all those people that are there as they are there for Pentecost and now all of a sudden Pentecost has a different meaning a different context it's not necessarily associated with a feast as much as it is associated with the power of God uh, coming upon his disciples and the increase of the church from a few hundred people about 120 people who followed after Jesus to th over 3,000 who were added to the church on one day. All those people who accepted uh, the message of Jesus Christ and, and followed after Jesus and were baptized that day were added to that number. But it didn't stop there. It didn't, it didn't end there. The Bible tells us that every day the, the numbers of the church multiplied and they increased and within a few days they were over 5,000 people and uh, a few days later even thousands more that were added and then all those people that had come to Jerusalem they went all back to their home uh, places and guess what happened they carried all that message of Jesus Christ that they had just accepted back all to those places and guess what other people accepted Jesus and the message of Jesus Christ uh, went far and wide and people increased in, in number in the following after Jesus and we see an exponential growth of the church. So now we come 2,000 years later and we see the church includes millions and millions of people. But unfortunately, we also see that we don't grow the same way that we used to. 
We don't see our churches filled with people. Oh, at one time we had uh, a filling of the, our churches and we had loads and loads of people. But what happened? What happened? We don't see nearly the exponential growth that we once did. Now, we do see in some places in the world where the church is growing exponentially. It is growing. But here in the United States where we send out missionaries year after year to all over the world, guess what's happening now? Missionaries from all over the world are coming back to the United States because there are needs to reach people here in the United States. And those people that we uh, helped to reach years ago are now sending missionaries here to the United States because our nation has become more and more secular, has become more and more a way of going away from Jesus Christ. And people are coming here. So what's happened? What's happened? Why is it that we all of a sudden are seeing people in the United States that are more concerned with with getting extra sleep or mowing their grass on Sunday morning as opposed to coming to being in God's house and worshiping God? Where is it that they uh, that what has happened that has caused people to lose sight of who Jesus Christ is? We're going to talk about that today, and we're going to talk about what we can do. We're going to look at God's Word and see what it is that, that was a part of the church in that day. Maybe we can see if God will help uh, ignite a fire within us and cause us to see uh, a great stirring of His Holy Spirit in our lives. First of all, I want you to see uh, the first thing in chapter 1. I want you to see, first of, uh, first of all, verse 16, it says, and this is part of uh, the message of Peter. He says at the very beginning of his message, now remember I told you that, that as all those people were there, uh, uh, the Spirit of God came upon the disciples. Uh, they went into the upper room in verse 13, and all the disciples were there. And uh, as they were there in one accord and in prayer and supplication uh, and with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and all those, uh, those that were there, uh, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God came upon them. And Peter stood up in the midst of the, uh, of the people, of the disciples, and said... Um, uh, he said, Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the, uh, the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of his ministry. And so... Um, Peter says, this is all ordained of God. I want us to understand. He, he said, even the part in which Judas was a part of our number and that he was going to, to betray Jesus Christ. He says, all of this was foretold in God's Scripture and all of this had to happen. What I want you to see first and foremost is, is that, uh, that God's Word foretells in His Scripture that we 
would go and to share the gospel message, that we would spread the gospel far and wide, that throughout the world we would carry the message of Christ. And what we need to understand is is that we're still a part of God's plan. So many people today have this notion that, oh, the Bible doesn't matter anymore because all of that stuff is is old history and all of that stuff has happened. And Peter said, look, uh, from his perspective, he said, look, we look back thousands of years to the Scripture and all the things that uh, that God foretold from the prophets until today. It was quite some time. We don't need to, uh, to fall into the trap of saying, well, Scripture doesn't mean anything anymore because it's been a couple of thousand years and none of that uh, pertains to us. Uh, Peter was saying, look, all of the things that happened today were foretold and God's Word is... What he was saying is, is God is faithful. Let me tell you something. Today, God is still faithful. God is still faithful in all the things that He foretells and all the things that He said that we would accomplish when He said that, uh, that, that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon us and Jesus said, you'll do things even greater than I have done. You need to understand that that still applies to us. God's Word still applies to us to this day. And God's Word uh, foretells of the fact that we would do greater uh, miracles than Jesus Christ did. And we need to understand that the Spirit of God has uh, come upon us and we'll do even greater things if we would allow, simply allow the Spirit of God to flow into our lives and allow God's Spirit to work in us. And what what many of us fail to realize is, is that the Spirit of God is with us always. If we're Christians, we have Jesus Christ in us. The Spirit of God is always with us, even when we're... Listen, there are times when I I know, because it's happened to me before in my life, I fall into a period of time of doing things that I know I shouldn't do. Or do it... Or Here, let me just hit it on home a little bit closer to you. Maybe not necessarily doing things you shouldn't do, like you know you're saying, "Well, I don't go out and rob a bank. I don't go out and murder people. I don't do." But listen, Jesus said, "If you know things that you should be doing and you don't do them, He said it's as bad as if you are sinning against God. Look, you're sinning against God when you know that you ought to be doing things. You ought to be going and fellowshipping with the believers. You know that you ought to be going out and sharing the gospel message with others. You know and God has impressed upon your heart to go and to share the gospel with someone and and God is saying to you, hey, you need to go and knock on the door of someone. They need to hear an encouraging word today. They need to hear that I still love them. They need to know that in the midst of all the difficult things that they're going through, that I still love them and that they can uh, be encouraged. Or that you need to go knock on somebody's door and you need to tell them, look, God loves you and wants you as a part of His family. God desires for you to be a child of God. Uh, Look, don't tell me it doesn't happen to you. Because I know it does. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart and life, the Holy Spirit impresses upon you. What might be happening though is, is when we say that we don't have a feeling of the Holy Spirit, what it is is really is is you're uh, you're saying you don't hear the uh, the words of the Holy Spirit in your life so much, and that's because you have had a pattern of ignoring the Spirit of God's moving in your life. Uh, The Spirit of God's still there. The problem is you're just not listening. You're not paying attention. It's like uh, uh, 
heaven forbid you be one of these children or you have one of these children where you got a child in your home and you say, hey, son, I need you to go take out the trash. Hey, baby girl, I need you to go and and dust the front room, help out your mama and uh, go wash the dishes. And they're sitting there uh, playing on their little phone and doing all those little snapping and and Instagramming and all that kind of stuff. And and they're saying, "Uh uh-huh. And they're just sitting there and they hadn't moved an inch or except for their thumbs. They're just going to town and going to town and going to town. And all of a sudden, and you say, baby, I don't think you heard me. You need to put that down and go in there and wash some dishes because your mama took time to, to make you some supper and you sat at the table and you enjoyed that supper. But now you need to uh, help participate by uh, washing those dishes for your mama so she doesn't have to go in there and do it. Or you need to, uh, son, you need to go and take out the trash. Because we made a mess while your mama was making supper, and now all that's in the trash can. You need to take it out so the trash man can come pick it up. Yeah, they're sitting there on the Game Boy, or they're sitting there on the Wii, or on the Xbox, or whatever, the PlayStation, and you're saying, Son, I don't think you heard me. You need to go and do it. Heaven help you if you got a child that's like that. But you know, we do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says you need to go out there and you need to say something to uh, to your neighbor down the street. They're, they're hurting because they lost a loved one. They're hurting because they lost their job. They're hurting because they've had illness in their life. You need to go down there and you need to tell them I still love them. You need to go down there and tell them that I put uh, their name on your heart and you need to tell them that God loves them still and wants to see them to prosper, wants to see them to have the love of God in their life, wants to see them in church, wants to see them uh, walking in the light of Jesus Christ. But we're sitting there just, okay, okay, Lord, I'm reading my book here. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my magazine. I'm watching this TV program, The Game of Thrones or something like that. And I, I, yeah, I'll get, I'll get to it. We wouldn't tolerate it with our children, would we? We'd go over there to the wall and unplug that Game Boy or that Game Box and we'd go slamming it against the wall if our child didn't listen to us. Thank the Lord He doesn't do that to us when we don't pay attention to the Spirit of God. But God's Holy Spirit is still speaking. God's Holy Spirit is still moving. God's Holy Spirit is still working in our lives. And we need to be aware of that thing. We need to hear what God is, is uh, speaking to us. Look at chapter 2. And suddenly, verse 2, it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as the rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Why were they there in that house? They were there cowering in fear. But God's Spirit is coming upon them. And the God's Spirit uh, fills them. And there were appeared unto them, <coughs> excuse me, cloven tongues like as in fire and it set upon each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances now why were they speaking in other tongues not because the Holy Spirit came upon them necessarily it's because there were people from all over the world there in one place and they were trying and God wanted to communicate his message to all those people you want to know why I know that that's what they were doing because there's first hand testimony 
Verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues and utterances that the Spirit gave them. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these people uh, which speak Galileans? And how hear we these men in our own tongue, wherein we were born? So this is what the uh, Spirit of God is doing. He's taking these... These, it's like seeing a whole bunch of old uh, redneck farm boys come together and all of a sudden you got one that's speaking Spanish and one that's speaking French and one that's speaking Russian and one that's speaking German and you say, how can it be that these old redneck boys are speaking in, in all of the languages from all over the world? They could tell that these men were all Galileans by the way they were dressed, by, the way, their, by their accents, and by the way in which they spoke. And yet they heard them in their own languages. They heard them in their own native tongues as if they were native-born individuals. God was spreading the gospel message all over and with all of these. How hear we every man in their own tongue? Parthenians and Medes and uh, Elamites and all these dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Pergamon, uh, Philea and Egypt and in all the parts of Libya and Cyprus and Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and, and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, uh, they hear them all in their own native tongues and they were all amazed and we're in doubt saying what to one another, what meaneth the, these things? What means this? When we work in the, word, in the Spirit of God, when God's Spirit begins to move amongst us, when God's Spirit begins to move our hearts to go out and to spread the Gospel and to tell other people about Jesus Christ, it'll be in such a way that no one can say, look, look what old Mount Olive Baptist Church is doing. No, they'll have to look and they'll say, how can this be? How can it be that those, all those people down there from Mount Olive are doing this? Why? Because the Spirit of God is moving. They can tell and they'll be confounded. They were confounded with these old boys that were speaking in their own native tongue and they were confounded. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was working in the, them in such a way that it couldn't be attributed to these. They couldn't say, look at all these shepherds and, and look at all these fishermen and all these men who've come together. Boy, they, they've just all of a sudden been educated beyond their years because they're speaking in all these other languages. No, they knew for a fact that it was the Spirit of God coming upon them. They knew that it was something beyond them. Peter stood with the eleven and lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to you my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is, it is the third hour of the day. That means it was 9 a.m. in the morning. It's not possible that they're drunk because it's too early in the day. But this is what, that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in those days, saith God, 
And he's quoting the prophet Joel, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So we see that God is working in a profound way. And Peter is professing that. And he uh, goes through and he gives this whole long sermon about what God is doing in their lives. And thirdly, I want you to see that they were all in one accord. Later on in the chapter, it says that they were in one accord, that they were all coming together. Uh, uh, And look at verse 37. Before we get to that last point, I want you to see this other thing. It says, Now they that heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? When we follow after God's direction, when we follow the, uh, the work of God's Holy Spirit in our life, look, here's what will happen. They won't just simply see what's going on and say, oh, that's really good. That, that was just such a wonderful program. We're going to go home and we'll see you. And don't call us again. We'll come back when you have another uh, singing or you have something else, a real special come. No, they were pricked in their hearts. God's Holy Spirit was able to move in their midst, was able to move within their hearts. And they were astounded by what God had done. And they were moved to the point of saying, hey, what do we need to do to have this in our lives? And listen, when we allow God's Holy Spirit to work in our lives, when God moves in the midst of this church, and when God does great things in us because we've allowed the Spirit of God to move in us and we've listened to His Word and we followed through with what God has told us to do, that's the response that people will have with us. Hey, what do we have to do to accept Jesus into our heart? Their hearts will be pricked. We won't have to worry about whether or not uh, we're doing the right thing. We won't have to worry. Let's see, did the Romans road include this one? Or was that was I supposed to do? We won't have to worry about any of that. They'll simply say, what do we have to do to accept Jesus into our heart? What do I have to do to have some of this? And we'll be able to share with our hearts and from our hearts. And God's Spirit will move us in such a way that we'll see a large increase. And it says that thousands came to know Jesus in that day. Uh, and they were all moved. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, when you accept Jesus into your heart and life, it's not just a one-time event where the Spirit fell on the disciples then. It's when you accept Jesus into your heart and life, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the Holy Spirit wants to do within you what the Spirit of God did in the apostles, what the Spirit of God did in those believers that, uh, that wonderful morning in which God began to grow the church and began to expand the, uh, the, work, the kingdom of God across the earth. He wants to still do in your heart and life today. He wants to still work in you. He wants to continue to see in His church and to see 
Verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread. And it says uh, before that that they gladly received the word that uh, those that were baptized that same day and were added to those 3,000 people. We'll see that God will work in such a way and that God's people will continue to move. God wants to do a great thing in this church. He wants to move in such a way that thousands come to know Jesus Christ. You might be saying, well, how can we... We're, we're just a small little group of people. We're just... We're hardly got 30, 40 people here on a Sunday. How is it that God can make thousands of people? How many were the disciples? Twelve. How many were added that day? 3,000. Well, preacher, we don't have a big meeting of all these. We don't have thousands of people come to Pelham, Georgia on any given day. Nobody does have you here each and every day. And God can do a tremendous thing in our lives day in and day out if we simply allow the Spirit of God to move. If we allow the the Word of God to, to speak into our hearts and we don't... What would have happened if Peter would have said, you know, I, I see all these people here. They don't know the language I'm speaking. I'm not going to stand up. I'm too shy. I don't want to... Who am I to stand up? Who elected me the leader that, that I'm going to stand up and start saying something? No, he listened to the Spirit of God. He allowed the Spirit of God to speak into his heart and give him the words to say. He didn't worry about he didn't sit down and say, you know, let me get my commentary set out and start reading all these different uh, resources and I'll write out my sermon and, and I'll polish it off and I'll work on it for a couple of weeks and 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 then maybe I'll get up if if, if I still feel real bold and and, and no. He stood up and allowed the Spirit of God to speak through his heart. He didn't prepare a a lengthy sermon. He didn't prepare anything other than what God had impressed upon his heart. And he allowed God to work in him. And we can see a tremendous outpouring of the work of God in our community if we simply allow the Spirit of God to speak in and through us. If we simply allow God to speak into our hearts and take His message to those that He he draws us to. So let me ask you, what's happened that's caused you to believe that the God who created all things, who established this church over a hundred years ago with a desire to reach people in this community and kept this church here through all kinds of hardships and adversities so that it would still be a witness and a shining light in a community. What's happened that has made you believe that God still can't move in miraculous ways? What's happened in your life that's made you believe that the Spirit of God is not capable of using His people? What's caused you to not feel the hand of God in your life. Whatever it is, let's pray today that God would remove it. 
that God in His power and His might would embolden us and give us uh, words of bold encouragement to stand up in our community, stand up in our neighborhoods, stand up in our homes and profess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And profess to others that Jesus came to die for you, that they might have eternal life. Let's pray. (laughs) Dear gracious Father, Lord, we pray that you would give us your courage, your boldness to go forth and profess your words. Lord, help us to be set afire so that we would be able to profess your word to the world and let others see Jesus in us. In Jesus' name we pray.